Good morning, Bridge City Church. How are you doing this morning? Awesome. Well, listen, if I haven't had the opportunity to meet you yet, I'm Pastor Nick, the campus pastor here at the White Oak Campus of Bridge City Church, and I say it every week, and you'll continue to hear it. Uh, there's no place I'd rather be than right here with you all, worshiping God and praising His name. And I, uh, I've been feeling that way for 14 years. I've been a part of the church for 16. The first two, you know, I wasn't, I didn't feel that way. I'm, I'm just being honest. Can we start off church today with honesty? You all good with that? Uh, but I, I want to let you know that when I started walking with Jesus, when I started growing with Jesus, when I started experiencing all that Jesus had for me, there was a transition point in my life. And it was about, uh, you know, a year and a half, two years into my walk with Jesus. And I'll never forget it. This person has no idea the impact that they had on my life. They, I was at their house. My childhood best friend, his name's Dustin. I've known him since third grade. The first time I met him was in the lunchroom, and he fibbed to me and told me about all these dirt bikes he had. He just moved in from out of town, and he lied. He was just trying to you know, buy friends with toys. And his girlfriend, they started dating in middle school, and they're now married. They now have children. But I remember we were over her house, and this is after I met Jesus, started dating Rachel, and she looked at me and said, Nick, I don't know what it is, but you're happy. I said, what do you mean? I've always been happy. She's like, Nick, you were drunk. I was like, yeah, but I was happy. She's like, no, but there was, I know why you were happy. You, you, you were intoxicated. And I stopped drinking, and, and she said, Nick, there's something so different about you. And I was able to tell her that that difference was Jesus. And from that moment forward, there was an urgency created in my life that I want everybody to be able to see the joy that you can live in when you fully give your life to Jesus. There was an urgency from that point. As a matter of fact, I, I wanted to hang out with all of my childhood friends at that point because I know that they knew the old Nick and I wanted them to meet the new one. There was an excitement there was a joy that came upon my life that wasn't there prior to that statement, Nick, there's something different about you now. So I want to ask you, is that urgency in your life? Was it ever created? Maybe you never experienced it, or has it gone dormant? Because there's a time in our lives that things can go dormant, and we just need to awaken them. And we're talking about our foundation series, and this is how we are used to build the church. You know, as I walk up, build your church, build your church, build it from the ground up. Boom, boom, boom. You can just listen to it all day. But the way that the church is built is through us. And one of the ways that God uses us to build is by recognizing that we need to go outside of these walls. We've launched every week from Matthew 16, 16 and 17. This week is no different. Let's read together. 
Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because of my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it, and I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Last week we talked all about that statement, you're the rock, and upon that rock I'm going to build my church. We were very clear about it. As a matter of fact, I had a big boulder up here I carried around. I talked to it as if it was a person. Remember? If you weren't here, go ahead online and listen to it. But this week, I want to focus on that last statement. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Do you know what keys represent? They represent authority. If you got keys, you have authority. Whether it's in your home, you got keys to your house, you have authority to open that door. You can rightfully enter that home. Whether it's at work, if they've given you keys to the office, or whether it's a church, if you've gotten keys to the church. I have so much fun when people are growing up as a leader in the church and they eventually come to me and they say, hey, I need keys. Why do you need keys? Well, I need to get into the building. Well, just wait for somebody to come and unlock it. No, I, I need keys. Oh, okay. And then I let them sweat it out for a little bit. And then we eventually give them the keys. And there's a whole big presentation. It's really fun. This is a key. There are many like it, but this one is yours. You know, that whole thing. It's very cliche. We have fun with it because it represents authority. I'll never forget the day I had that conversation with Pastor Rick. I said, Pastor Rick, I need keys. And this is what he did. He was digging in his briefcase. He said, here. And he handed me his keys to the church. I said, don't you need them? He was like, no, I've been trying to get rid of those for a long time. <laughs> um, I now know that if I get a call in the middle of the night, I can honestly say I don't have keys. Right. There you go. But listen, the keys to the kingdom of heaven, I don't think we, we understand the gravity of that statement. We have the keys to get people out of depression. We have the keys to get people out of a life full of addiction. We have the keys to get people out of a life full of anxiety and fear. But we leave them in our pocket. Keyless entry. Push button start. You don't even need to pull your keys out anymore to do a lot of things. But I want to reactivate the fact that we all have something to give away. I don't care if you met Jesus last week or if you're going to meet him today. That statement rings true. We all have something to give away. And we value that at Bridge City Church. As a matter of fact, our values are very clear. We value gathering faithfully. We talked about that in week one. We value growing relationally. We talked about that week two, and we kicked off connection groups, which if you haven't signed up for a connection group, you can still become a part. If you're still wrestling with that, oh, I should go or I shouldn't go, you can just go. See what happens. 
Last week we talked about giving generously, not just of our money, but of our time and our talent. And listen, we're going to have an opportunity today to walk out last week's teaching. We're receiving an offering today for uh, churches in Louisiana that we're in relationship with that were deeply impacted by the hurricane. They still don't have power, some of them. Churches that that people that you know have preached in. Gone. So we have an opportunity to walk that out. And today we're going to talk all about going urgently. There needs to be an urgency to everything that we do. Everything. Ladies, there's a great response so far to our overflow conference, but if you haven't signed up, today's the last Sunday to do so. The conference is on Saturday. I don't want you to urgently run to the connection point and sign up to be there. Not because I want to say, oh, there were so many people there. No, because I want ladies to receive what I believe God has for them there. And this conference has been being prayed over and planned for well over a year. There's an anticipation, there's an urgency to see people receive from God what he has for them. So, going urgently, what does it look like? Here we go. Going urgently helps you to recognize that what's important to you should be at the forefront of your mind. God knows that I have an an urgency about me. So he uses things that he knows will get my attention to get me to do something. Can I share a story with you? My father was married before. Um, He had two children in a previous marriage. Married my mom when he was 32 years old. 34, she was 32. And uh, had me. So I grew up with two, a half-brother and a half-sister. They, you know, there's lots of things with my dad's health, and they separated themselves from the family, there was lots of contention. And I always wanted them to be around when I met Rachel. I wanted to be able to offer a bigger family to her. But they, they weren't around, and my sister lived in Monroeville. And I would bump into her every once in a while. And by bump in, I see her drive past my house or uh, my car when I was at Target or Starbucks. And I, I could catch myself like slumping down in my chair. There's an urgency for me to hide. man who goes to our Murraysville campus is a plumber, and he called me and they said, Nick, you're never going to believe whose house I was just in. I said, try me. He said, your sister. I said, oh, Candace. He's like, no, the sister I never knew you had. <laughs> I said, oh, really? How's she doing? He said, Nick, it was a, it was a God moment. She said her last name, her maiden name was Stepanovic, and I knew there wasn't many of you guys. And I asked her, do you know Nick? And she started crying. She said, I haven't seen him in probably 15 years. How is he? And uh, Brett said, do you know anything about him? She said, no, I haven't seen him in years. He said, um, I go to church with him. 
As a matter of fact, he's one of the pastors at the church, and she started crying more. And she said, please ask if, if I can call him. Brett turned out to be the worst middleman in the history of middlemen. <laughs> dragged on forever. But here's the urgency part. My phone broke on a Sunday afternoon. Just preached two messages. Was at a Celebrate Recovery anniversary picnic. It was 93 degrees. It was hot. I was exhausted. My wife was exhausted. We wanted to go home. But my phone broke. I said, babe, you know I'm going to get my phone fixed. She's like, I already knew. Just go to Monroeville. I pull into Monroeville to my friend's cell phone repair shop. And I get out of the car and I walk in and my sister is standing there. God will use whatever is at the forefront of your mind to get you to fulfill the plan that he has for you. So I'm going to ask you, where's the urgency in your life? Matthew 28, 18 through 20 said, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and earth. Everybody say all. all. Now authority. authority. You know what that means? All of it. Every bit of it. There's none missing. There's no lack. There's nothing being held back from you. There's nothing that he is not willing to give you here and in heaven. Therefore, go. Everybody say go. Go. Go, 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 go. go. Oh, I just want to see how much you guys would do. I've pushed it. I pushed it too far. But it's okay. I, I have the microphone. It's fun. And make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all. Everybody say all. all. The commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Listen, have you heard our, our vision statement at Bridge City Church before? We exist to see as many people as possible begin a relationship with God and become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. You want to take a guess where we got that from? Great guess. It's an open book test. Matthew 28 is where we got our mission statement. This is the Great Commission. This is what we're called to do. This is where the urgency is created to go to all the nations to change your world. Notice I didn't say change the world. The world's way too big. You may never be outside of this state, this country. You may never travel. So how are you supposed to change the world? You're supposed to trust in God that his church is mighty and powerful and that the church is going to be used everywhere. No, I want you to focus on having urgency within your world. There are people that are in your life that I will never have the opportunity to talk to. There are people that you're going to cross paths with in your life that I will never have the opportunity to see. There needs to be an urgency. And let me tell you how it starts. You ready? Get your pen and paper out. It starts by being a joyful person. Do you expect people to listen to you about this God 
that you serve and this God who changed your life if you're miserable? Well, if they know Jesus, I really, I don't need to know that guy because they're cranky. <laughs> if that person knows Jesus, woo! They better change what they exist for because they're not existing for what they said they were. I don't know why I took my glasses off. I thought I was going to make a smart statement. You got to do the whole. I don't know why. I've never taken my glasses off while I was walking before. I almost fell because I couldn't see. There's some prerequisites that we have to have in our life to going urgently. Number one is perspective. How much do people that are going to hell matter to you? Seriously, think about it. How much do they matter to you? You know, I was at a wedding last night. I worked out in Somerset near Seven Springs. Beautiful, beautiful wedding venue. If you don't know, I DJ weddings. Um, I did that, started that almost nine years ago to supplement my income so that I wasn't a burden on the church when I first went on, on staff. Uh, Jesus loved weddings. I'm cool with it. I love weddings too. And... The couple, the husband's from Penn Hills, grew up in Penn Hills. I grew up in McKeesport. We automatically weren't supposed to be friends. <laughs> He's now on the school board in Wilkinsburg. He's a very, very, very lively, energetic man. I, we hit it off right away. And all of their friends, um, majority of them were from Penn Hills. And I remember I, I felt like I just needed to, to let them see who I am. I didn't hold back. I didn't try to be anything that I wasn't. And I'm believing that that, that bride and groom are going to be at church soon. Amen. I'm believing that. Amen. There was an urgency about me, but I needed to have a perspective. I needed to be reminded where I was pre-Jesus. My perspective needed shifted. Another prerequisite is people. You need people to, to go through life together. And you also need to recognize the importance of people. You want to know how much a soul costs at Bridge City Church? Take all the tithes and offerings and divide it by 84. That's how many people gave their lives to Jesus this year. A soul's expensive. The third thing that we need to recognize that's a prerequisite to going urgently into our world is the power of God is with us. There's going to be areas of our life that we're called into. There's going to be things that we're called to do that we cannot do in our own might. And that's great. That's exactly where God wants you to be. The last one is a plan. You need to be purposeful. If you're not purposeful, guess what? You plan for nothing, and nothing will be the result. Jesus had an urgency to reach people. Mark 1, 37 through 39, when they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. But Jesus replied, we must go on to the other towns as well, and I will preach to them too. That is why I came. So he traveled throughout 
the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. Listen, what is your we must go statement? We must go outside of these walls and be a joyful person. We must go outside of these walls and be a representation of Jesus to the world. We must go outside of these walls and give away everything that we've been given. And I know you may be thinking, I'm not smart enough to give anything away yet. I don't have anything to give away yet. Listen, if you've met Jesus, the change and transformation that took place from your past to the cross to his forgiveness, that's enough to give away. Give your story away. And you may say, oh, I don't have this big grandiose story. I wasn't an alcoholic that was homeless and met Jesus at a bus stop and then everything got better. No, I was a scared, broken, depressed little boy that had no purpose and felt like when football was over, his life was over. And then I met Jesus. Give it away. Give everything away. Psalm 62.2 was the first verse I ever memorized. For he is my rock, my fortress, my salvation. I will never be shaken. And guess what verse I quoted to every single person? You know what? I really feel like you need to hear Psalm 62.2. For he is my rock, my fortress, my salvation. I will never be shaken. I gave that verse away to everybody that would listen. You asked me to get something off the top shelf in Giant Eagle. Hey, listen, have you ever heard... Psalm 62.2, I just memorized it. I wanted to show you about it. Just give away what you've been given. You can't give away what you don't have yet. And there should be a desire within you to receive more, not so that you can build bigger barns, but so you can give it away. Start spreading some seed. Everywhere you go, you'd be like a flower girl just dropping. Everybody loves a flower girl at a wedding. The ring bear's cool too. We must go. What's our we must go? We must go to White Oak and McKeesport and North for Sales and East McKeesport and Portview and Glassport and North Huntington and Irwin and Elizabeth. Rob, you're from McKeesport. Rob wants to clarify, he's from Elizabeth Township. He's not from Elizabeth. He's not from Elizabeth Four. He's from Elizabeth Township. But if you want to mail him a letter, you got to write McKeesport on that bad boy. <laughs> Jesus had urgency to reach people. As the evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. There was always another step. There was always more people to be reached. There was always one more thing to be done. Jesus was the example of urgency in our lives that we need to be like Jesus. I'm sure the disciples were like, man, I'm tired. I just want to chill. And Jesus was like, no, we're crossing that lake. Having a fresh perspective. Verse 27 in Hebrews 9 and just as each person is destined to die once, and after that comes judgment. <laughs> Here's perspective. There's a real heaven. There's a real hell. Yep, yep. And you're going to make the choice on which one you're going to visit for eternity. Ezekiel 18, 23. There's going to be a lot of scriptures coming at you. So get your phones ready. Get your pens ready. Listen, this is an appetizer for you to eat the rest of the week. 
Do you think that I like to see wicked people die, says the Sovereign Lord? Of course not. I want them to turn from their wicked ways and live. What's the urgency? That we're supposed to help them. People just need help. People just need somebody to come alongside them and encourage them. Say, I'm with you. I will walk with you. I will fight with you. I will fight for you. I know I have a different perspective of a lot of you. I know a lot of different people, but I don't want to bury another friend to drugs. I don't know how many of you guys have had that you've lost, but I've lost way too many and I'm tired of it. And the last one hit hard because he knew Jesus and he just wanted to walk with me. He wanted to walk with me. He just couldn't get over the wall. Even if I threw him over, he'd still find a way back. He's like a little chipmunk scurrying under the wall. We need to help people turn from their wicked ways, not point fingers at them. Listen, the, the Bible doesn't tell you to stay away from the world. It tells you not to dictate your life based upon it. You're in the world, but not of it. Paul said he became all things to all men just so he could share the gospel. He didn't take on their way of life. 2 Peter 3.9 The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. <laughs> that was my first ever, like, church. <laughs> it came out naturally. Yeah, yeah. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Why is it taking so long for Jesus to come back? Because you still have friends and family that are going to end up in hell. And he doesn't want that. So help them. You want Jesus to come back quicker? Start telling people about him. Uh-oh. Well, that makes me uncomfortable. Good. It should. People matter to God. That's our second prerequisite to go in urgently. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. People matter to God. Luke 5, 31 through 32. Jesus answered them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. I want you to imagine you're taking a friend to the doctor. Let's imagine. Can we all imagine? It's like Daniel Tiger. <laughs> I was going to say. Lennon's favorite song from Daniel Tiger is Grown Ups Come Back. Grown Ups Come Back. 
right? So when Rachel and I leave, we'll sing to them, hey, buddy, we'll be back soon. Just have fun with Grandma and Poppy. Grown-ups, come back. And he gets real excited, right? So now he flipped the script on us, and Lennon wanted to go play in the corner of the front yard. He wasn't allowed off the porch. And he's like, no, 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 Mama. Mama, it's okay. Lennon comes back. That's what he said. That's what he said. We're like, we'll go with you, bud. That was too good. That was too good. But listen, I want you to imagine, if you're taking a friend to the doctor, you don't say, hey, come on, get up, you're sick. Come on. You need stitches. This is ridiculous. I can't believe you did this. Why would you do that? Why would you cut that apple that way and cut your finger? Is that how you take a friend to the doctor? No, you say, hey, man, are you okay? You all right? Oh, man, let's get you to the doctor, okay? We're going to go to the doctor. We're going to get this taken care of. It's okay. We're going to stop the bleeding, okay? I'm going to just keep squeezing, okay? You're good. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, I love it. He didn't know he was going to do that. But why do we do that with church? We're supposed to bring people to the ultimate physician. We're like, you know what? You're sinning and, and ridiculous. Stop sinning and come with me. Oh, that's loving. That's caring. That's compassionate. That's really showing that people matter to God. Hate the sin, love the sinner. Matthew 9, 36, people matter to God. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Compassion requires action. If not, it's just empathy. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. I'm not old enough to have wisdom. That's a lie. Wisdom doesn't come with age. Wisdom comes with devotion. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. prerequisites to going urgently is understanding that God provides the power. He doesn't want your natural strength. He wants you to allow for his supernatural strength to move through you. When you start allowing for that to move through you, game changer. What? Because the Holy Spirit doesn't get tired. I almost started singing it again. I don't, I don't get tired. You know that song? I know you knew. I like you a lot. I, I'm happy you're here. This is great. We're going to meet afterwards. Abby, thank you for going urgently. Acts 1.8. But you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witness telling people about me everywhere in McKeesport, in White Oak, in North Huntington, Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. If this is a struggle for you to do, it's most likely because you're doing it in your own might. People get tired. People allow for their circumstances to dictate their actions. 
the Holy Spirit won't quit. Jesus' last two commands, Matthew 28, 19, go and make disciples, and Acts 1, 8, you will receive power. You will get the Holy Spirit. You will have the power to fulfill the call that I've placed upon you. Our top priorities as followers of Jesus Christ is to go into our world and to help people meet Jesus and to make disciples all while being led by the Holy Spirit. Does it sound familiar? We exist to see as many people as possible meet God, start a relationship with God, and become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Here we go, prerequisites to go in urgency. You need a plan. You ready? We're about to bless up. I got the keys. I feel like Khaled up here, DJ Khaled up. Bless up, I got the keys of the kingdom. Here we go, what does bless mean? Plan, start with prayer. Begin with praying for people. You want to see God move in people's lives. How about you align your faith with it and believe for it? Pray for them. Believe for them. Listen to them when they talk. We're the worst listeners in the world anymore. Our culture has got rid of the the great gift of being a listener. Eat with someone. You know how much can come out across the table when you're having dinner or lunch? And you may think, oh, I wish somebody would invite me to lunch. Take the first step and do it yourself. I'm wearing all black today, so I'm feeling spicy. I'm just letting you know. I'm just just being honest with you. We all feel that way. Then serve them. Serve people. Be an example of the love of Christ. Share your story. You want people to meet a living God? You have to be able to tell them about your experience when you met a living God. Your story should be on the forefront of your mind. You should have a 30-second version, a 60-second version, and a full-hour version, and every minute in between. I could share my story in 15 seconds. I'll let you have 30 to start it. But seriously, be able to share your story. Be able to make that commitment. Great quote from John Maxwell. Most people feel best about themselves when they give their best to something that's greater than themselves. Guess who's greater than you? Jesus. And guess who wants to make you alive and experience life and life abundantly? Jesus. And how do we do that? Help other people meet Jesus. This is going to be one of the hardest hitting questions you've ever heard in church. I'm just preparing you for it. Readers discretion advised. And you need to answer this. I can't answer this for you. But if God answered your prayer, would your circumstances change or would the world around you and the people around you change? If God answered all of your prayers, would you just have a better job and a bigger house and a nicer car and a healthier body? If God answered all your prayers, would your household be changed or your block 
I have a goal. I want to see the whole 1,200 block of faucet at church. I got all fired up today because somebody said they talked to my neighbor and he said he never met me. I was like, he's been to church here. <laughs> we ate wings together right there. I say hi to him every time I see him. Guess I wasn't urgent enough. Every person on the 1,200 block of Fossil will be a church in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm believing for that. I'm believing for Franklin, the street below me. Marmar and Jordy got that locked down. I'm believing for the second block of Franklin. I'm believing for Summit. We got some ambassadors living there now. Big up to the McCoyak family for making Joey move out. Summit's locked down now. You didn't make him. I'm just kidding. You know, there's a lot of things that, that are urgent in our lives, and missions has always been one of them. There's an urgent need in Louisiana right now. There are people that are still without power. Those are churches that Pastor Rick has preached in. This is Brother Rod Aguilar's youth center they just built. This church was on the news. You could see the, the drums were blowing out, flying through the wall. And you know why we're doing this? Number one, there's an urgency. But number two, if that happened here, you better believe Louisiana would send it up. So I want to let you know that every bit of cash that goes into the offering basket today is going straight to Hurricane Ida relief. Every bit of it. But listen, we all have to answer another question before we leave today. And that is, why do we call the good news? Why do we call the gospel good news? Why do we call it good news? I'll tell you why. Because it's a it's a lot better than the other news that could have happened. If somebody didn't have enough faith to share the gospel with me, I'd be dead. 100% fact. It would have been at my own hand. Depression would have taken over. good news. At least I think it's good news. I'm happy I'm here. Amen. How you doing? There we go. So has the gospel truly become good news to you yet? Or is it just news that the pastor's talking about in front of you today? If you are here today and you've never had a moment where you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that means you've repented of your past. You asked him for forgiveness. 
you've received that forgiveness. And then you asked him to be the leader into your future. I want today to be your day. September 26th, 2021. Maybe you've had that moment before, but you've run away from God. You want today to be your day to rededicate your life to him. If you're either of those two groups of people that I just spoke to, I just want you to slip your hand up to heaven and say, that's me. That's me. I need to fully receive the good news of the gospel. Or I need today to be the day that I rededicate my life to that good news. Anyone at all. Father God, I thank you for every person that can hear my voice, both in person and online. God, I thank you for the fact that that we understand that we must go into our world urgently and help us to fully recognize that those prerequisites, those requirements for us to do so are so vitally important. God, help us to bless people, to begin with prayer, to listen, to eat with them, to serve, and to give us an opportunity to share our story. God, we pray all of this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. did everybody say it? Amen. Cohen, did you say amen? I'm just messing with you.